0: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today's episode is Mourning, in which we'll discuss how the process of mourning and grief is presented and contemplated through Star Trek. If you're new here, I'm Victoria, and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we, and our guest crew, examine the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10am PST on Clubhouse. Our goal is not to come to conclusions on the themes we discuss but to spark contemplation and conversation, which we hope continues after the live recording and into the lives of the listeners of the podcast. At the top of the room, we have pinned our Star Trek Sundays website, sundays.com There you'll find links to our published podcasts, my Captain's Log and Guest Blogs, links to our upcoming watch lists, and our Star Trek Sundays trading post. The Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It helps us reach others who might enjoy the show. T. these episodes contemplated the mourning process so tenderly and beautifully. Can you tell us how Star Trek has covered the topic of mourning generally, and then let us know why you chose the episodes we watched this week?
1: Definitely, and thank you, Victoria. Mourning doesn't seem like a sci-fi topic, and in many ways, the sci-fi would take a bit of a background in these episodes. Because the focus really was on the human emotions. And the sci-fi came in when aliens like Worf and Data exposed the true nature of our humanity. Which is why I found it interesting that this topic actually comes up a fair bit. We've seen it before in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, when Kirk had to deal with the loss of Spock, and when the Enterprise lost Tasha Yar, or Data, in TNG, or in Picard. The process of grieving over the loss of loved ones is extremely difficult and complicated, fraught with challenges and emotional hurdles to overcome. So I think it's probably the depth of these emotions involved that drew the writers to pull at our heartstrings with the loss of a favorite crew member. So much so that they spent an entire movie just bringing back one character in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. So we could get on with the show with him, effectively undoing the pain of not having him around. Today, I chose these episodes because they really spend some time on the topic. And I know in The Watch Party, I and a few others were definitely triggered by some of the depths plunged into by the plot. I don't expect this topic to be an easy one, but I've come to embrace the idea, one shared with me by Captain Radborn, that part of the very theme of what Star Trek was about was going into things that were basically guaranteed to be unpleasant and potentially even ugly and traumatic. And what she and the rest of the crew are doing is trekking, which is in the spirit of Star Trek. So as the title screen would remind us to boldly go where no one has gone before, today we'll be discussing mourning and how Star Trek looks on the topic with courage and finesse.
0: Thank you, T. That was, that was really beautifully said. I appreciate that intro. Let's just jump in then and start with The Bonding. Can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what the story was about? And then I'll put the question
1: to you. Definitely. The Bonding, The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 5, first aired on the 23rd of October, 1989. A member of Worf's away team is slain by an explosive device left over from an extinct civilization's civil war. Worf wishes to take into his house Jeremy, the young son of the slain subordinate, but the child is having trouble accepting his mother's death, especially when she mysteriously reappears on the ship, offering to take Jeremy to live on the planet where his mother was slain. I chose this episode because it delves into the subject of mourning in a multifaceted way and deals with the impact of the mourning process when one is unable to let go of the one who is lost and confront their grief.
0: Thank you, T. Yeah, the watch party was so good yesterday. There was so many people there. It was awesome. And I found this episode in particular really cathartic. I've struggled for several years with grief as if I'm stuck in some part of the mourning process without moving further along. And some of the quotes from this episode really struck me in a way that I feel prompted me forward. There was a scene at the end in which Picard was confronting this alien energy force, pretending to be Jeremy's mom. And they don't want her to do this pretend thing for Jeremy. And she asks, what is so noble about sorrow? I can provide him an existence where he will feel no pain, no anguish. And Picard says, it is at the heart of our nature to feel pain and joy. It is an essential part of what makes us what we are. And then goes on to say, do you honestly believe he would be happy in this total fiction you wish to create? What you are offering him is a memory, something to cherish, not to live in. It's part of our life cycle that we accept the deaths of those we love. And I'm a bit choked up even remembering that because this whole, what you are offering him is a memory, something to cherish and not live in, really struck me because I sometimes feel that I'm living in those memories and really want to break free from them. So this hit hard and the rest of the scene just gets better. Uh, It was so well written. And then, don't even get me started. We might go into this later, but I can't right now. The scene between Beverly and Wesley, when they were remembering their shared loss of her husband and his dad, just uh, what a punch in the gut. So I'm going to move on to the question. At the end of this episode, as I said, we see a scene in which Jeremy's quarters were made into his old home on Earth, and the alien energy force looked like his mum. So T, would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? If so, where and with whom?
1: Yeah, I I definitely would. And I, I have a number of great stories about my grandfather and who built a, a workshop behind his house and then proceeded to build a plane out of wood and do all the electronics himself he bought a kit which is just you know blueprints and and spent seven years building this plane and so we used to call him grandpa tap tap because he was always you know back in his shop hammering away i used to go back there and you know just watch just watch what grandpa was doing. And I think one of the most important lessons that I ever picked up in watching him was he would spend the morning putting together a series of pieces of wood in such a configuration. And it would take him, you know, two, three hours to really put this jig together, this thing that he was spending a lot of time on building. And I thought for certain it was part of the plane. And then What he did was he took this thing that he had been building and he used it to hold a set of other pieces of wood and cut them in just a certain way along a series of axes that left them cut out in a certain way. And then, when he was done with this thing that he had literally spent the morning building, he tossed it aside. It was done. It wasn't part of the plane at all. It was, in fact, An example of meta tooling, the idea where when you don't have the tool you need, you use the tools you have in order to make new tools. And I felt like this was such a profound lesson for me that later in life would be something that I applied constantly, like when doing programming. When you don't have the the library you need, you write the library you need. And then, you know, all of that code that was like in favor of getting that library written sort of gets thrown away. And that's the meta tooling process where you make these tools in order to accomplish the goal. And then that tool gets put aside. And, and I just, I, I, it was such a, a, a deep and profound episode that I didn't really appreciate what it was that I was seeing at the time. He later went on to build the plane after seven years and fly it for 10 more before he got brain cancer and died. But it was one of those things where I wish I could go back and really appreciate just how profound the lesson was for me.
0: Oh, thank you, T. That's a really nice image. I feel similarly in some ways. I, I don't have a story right now to t- to tell, but a lot of my regrets have been about not being able to appreciate something at the time that I was there, and maybe that's just part of the whole human experience. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Jamesy, thank you so much for coming up, and welcome again to Star Trek Sundays. I'm going to put the question to you. At the end of this episode, we see a scene in which Jeremy's quarters were made into his old home on Earth, and the alien energy force looked like his mum would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one where and with whom?
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I I could see that having a lot of utility, you know, going back to the place where you knew that person and um, being allowed one more interaction. I think, I think I would get really caught up in it being the wrong last interaction. So maybe, maybe we would just stick with kind of uh, the reality of it. So Like I see the utility of it, but I think my, my answer is actually no.
0: Interesting. You know, when I was thinking about this during the show, I I wondered it. I, I think of so many memories where I'd want to go back and just be there. So it's a little bit clearer. But then I also know like how flawed our memories are. And so I don't know if it would be as good as I think it was. And so I worry about that as well. So thank you for being so honest. I'll move on to Rachel. How about you, Rachel? Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? And if so, where and with whom?
3: Yeah,
4: I'm having trouble deciding because I wasn't able to say goodbye to either of my grandparents on my mom's side. But I think I was closer to my grandpa than my grandma, so I guess I would pick my grandpa. But he used to um, take me, like before, when we were allowed to still talk to our family in the place I grew up, he would take me, they would take me to Arizona every um, Thanksgiving. And my grandpa would just like put me on the counter. like he would cook all the time from scratch. So he'd put me on the counter and he would like talk about what he's doing and how he's making it. And that I always loved that interaction with him. And so I was 11 when he passed away, And I wasn't even allowed to go to the funeral. And it's always something that has bothered me that I couldn't say bye to him. So I think I would go back to the old house they used to live in and go and meet him in the kitchen and he would cook something for me one last time or something, that's what I think of.
0: Well, I really like that. I I like the way you ended that because I, I thought in some way you might have said that you would have liked to have been to his funeral or something. And for me, it's about thinking of a time that's almost mundane that I want to share with somebody. Like, you know, I lived with my grandmother for uh, several years after high school and we'd eat dinner together and then we'd play cards all evening. We played this game called spite and malice and she never let me win. If I won, it was my own doing. And so there's lots of really kind of grand times in my life that I'd like to experience again, but maybe in a new way. But with that, I'd be happy just to sit in that old little kitchen and play cards again. Right? Like, Yeah, it's sort of interesting, even if it was fictional, like if I had a holodeck or something, I might want to do something like that. So thank you for that, Rachel. Babs, how about you? Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? And if so, where and with whom?
3: Um, I actually, I kind of agree with Jamesy. Um, I haven't lost any people close enough to me for me to go, yes, this is somebody I need to spend time with again. Um, I also look at it as, you know, kind of like what Jamesy said, I cherish the moments that I had with those people and going back and reliving it would more than likely, it would make me ruminate again. It would make, it would, it would cause another depression, right? Because it's a, I, ha- I got to relive this happy moment again and I'm never going to have it again. You know, so eventually I might get to a point of cherishing that moment again, but it would take a lot of time and I'm not sure if I'm ready to put, I would be ready to put myself through that trauma. So uh, yeah, I think I would say no on that actually.
1: I think that actually shows a lot of wisdom in terms of recognizing the the reality of the situation. And I think that it was actually Steve um, yesterday who talked about uh, the problem with moralizing these events and saying, you know, what if they could have lived rather than dealing with the fact they didn't and how that, that sets us back, right? Um, and I think that your what you are saying, you know, shows a lot of emotional maturity and wisdom in terms of these are the decisions that I made and now I have to live with them. And I don't think I want to go back and revisit them, that that's not part of who I am. So props on that, Babs.
0: Absolutely. So (laughs) when T and I were talking about what we wanted to put out to everybody, the topic of switching on and off emotions came up again, which we talked about with Data and his emotion chip. I had said that if I had a switch to turn off specific emotions, would I, you know, would I use it? And what I said was, like, yeah, maybe I'd want to turn off the bad ones, but I don't want to turn off the good ones. Right. And so it's, it's almost like you flipped that script, Babs, and like, you can't, I I don't know, I'm, I'm just thinking this out, because what you said was, I thought it was quite profound as well, is that to have those moments back, it takes me back in time. And then I'd come out of playing cards with my grandmother, say, and then realize I don't have that anymore. So I'd have to really prepare for that event. So yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to do that now. But this is great contemplation, everybody. Thank you for being so honest. Uh, how about you, Marcus? Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? And if so, where and with whom?
5: I think I was if i was going to do that it would be um my mother um who passed away when i was about 9 years old but i would probably say that i would only do it at the end of my lifetime at the very end it would be nice to see her again and the way i feel about it is that when she passed away you know your your mother is the person that kind of like brings you well if you have a, if you have a positive mother i suppose you know who can do this for you um bring you that comfort you know when you're scared or when you're sad you know they they kind of bring you back to um peace and for uh, many many years um i felt like that was missing from my life, because she she had passed away. And she couldn't bring me that 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 peace anymore. And because I lost when I was so young, you know, um, I hadn't quite developed that ability in myself. So I felt this lo- loss for a long time. However, overcoming that made me recognise that my peace is found inwardly, and that I don't need anyone or anything to bring me peace. And that inward peace that I have now is that same piece that she brought me. And that's the thing that I missed. I missed the piece that she, she brought to me. And now that I have that, it's the same thing. So I kind of feel as close to her now as I did when she was alive. So I don't feel like I need to see her. I don't need to see the form of her to bring that, that back for me. But if it was an option that I had, then I would say at the end of my life, it would be nice to to see her again.
0: Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. Ashley, how about you? Would you like to answer the question? Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? And if so, where and with whom?
6: Um, I struggle with this a lot. Um because I think the person that I would like to see again or spend any time with again would be my mom as well. Um, I, I lost her abruptly about the the very, very end of 2015. Um, so the part of me that would want to go back is just the typical <laughs> selfish human being part. That is, um, all the signs were there that she was about to, experience a a substantial cardiac event um and i didn't see it until after it had happened um but thinking about the last time that i saw her it was so obvious um so that part of me wishes i could go back to even just a few the last few days of her life and just be like hey i think this is what's happening will you please go yourself checked out when you go do something. Um but overall um when we're when we are talking about mourning and going back in time uh, potentially or seeing someone spending time with someone what I really wish I could do is go back to I think about a year out from when she passed away and be there for myself in a different way like i completely closed myself off and didn't um i didn't seek out help i didn't talk to anyone about my mom i had a very young my older child was about six at the time i we just didn't talk about it at all and i think that's done more damage in the long run um for both for myself and my kid um i've come through it now they've come through it now but we just spent so many years in this really terrible place uh so yes as far as mourning i wish i could go back and be with myself (laughs) in that time and and uh do that a little bit differently
1: and and what a great sentiment that that that's another example of emotional maturity in my opinion the idea that we could go back and help ourselves be there for ourselves better by just being there for ourselves. Because we in hindsight know what it is that we need, we needed in that time, but in that time, we didn't know. And so if we could just go back and and tell ourselves, you know, here's the hug that you need, when you don't have it, and how that might change things i think that's just so beautiful
0: yeah absolutely in this episode it was clear that picard was saying that the scene that the alien energy force was making was fiction and yet the force was prompted to do this to soothe the pain of the child. And so if we look at this, we do this when we have to reparent ourselves, if we didn't have substantially good parents and we need to get over something from our childhood, and in some way that's fiction, but in that moment, there can be some healing. So perhaps in this scene in, in Star Trek, there might've been just a break. Sometimes we just want to break from the grief, right? And for this kid, I was feeling it like he was in his house on earth. Petting his cat, like sometimes life is just difficult, and we just want a break from it. So for that, that was interesting. But you, but like Picard said, you can't live there. It can give you a break from something, but but then you come back and hopefully you're healed a little bit more from it, and can move on. So really, these shares are just absolutely beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Gela, would you want a moment back in time with a loved one, and if so, where and with whom?
7: So I had a professor who met me when I was 15 and very troubled and he talked to me and he let me talk to him and he was the first person in a long time who I felt I could talk to him about like my most uh, strange like existential questions and he wouldn't look at me like I was crazy like everyone else did We became very close, and I used to come to his office every other week on a Sunday, and we would um, read and study uh, Jewish philosophy and theology together. Toward the end of his life, I fell out of touch with him for a couple of years, and shortly after my daughter was born, I, I called him up. And he was so happy and so excited to hear from me. He said, my friend Gela, when are you coming to see me? And I said, well, let me arrange with Sara, your wife, to schedule a visit, maybe after the holidays. And that visit never happened. And I just really wish I could have a lunch with him and talk to him and ask his advice and tell him how much I love him and how much I appreciated him and everything that he did for me when I was younger. That's it.
1: Yeah, that's always like my grandfather who took me up in that plane that he built and and let me fly. I I was like, you know, 15, 16. Let me grab the stick and do a turn. And and it was something that I wish I could go back and thank him, too.
0: Thank you, Gella. That was was really beautiful. And if there's one thing that I, I could say is I bet he knew that you appreciated it. I know that you may not be able to feel that now, but I've been able to reconnect with some of my own teachers and, and they, they know. They know when we need them. They know that's why they give us their energy and stuff. So it's a really beautiful story. And I'm really glad that you had that experience with him. So Steve, welcome to the stage. At the end of this episode, we see a scene in which Jeremy's quarters were made into his old home on Earth and the alien energy force looked like his mum. Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one and if so where and with whom?
8: Yeah, so part of that I kind of feel like um has to be parsed out more specifically like if we're talking about reliving um the past with this individual I can appreciate the nostalgia that I would feel from it but it wouldn't be half as important to me as getting the opportunity to have experiences with a lost loved one. That were not had before they passed away. My uh, grandmother on my mother's side, she was the closest uh, thing during a, a small, short period of my life, uh, like my preteens, tween years, where she was the closest thing to a second parent that I had. Um, she moved in with me and my mom, and uh, the two of them actually worked for my uncle in the same office. It was really great for me, and I didn't feel as neglected or alone. Uh, while she was there. And she related to me and my, you know, uh, debate-loving nature um, and philosophical nature a lot more than my mom did. When she passed away, it was really hard on like my whole family. And I I think if anything, if we're talking about going back and experiencing the past that I had with my grandma, I'd more so want to do it just so that I could let my mom who, definitely holds on to the past a lot better than I do and would benefit a lot more from the nostalgia factor. I'd want her to be able to have that experience back with her mom.
0: That's really sweet. Thank you, Steve. How about you, Christy? Would you want a moment back in time with a lost loved one? And if so, where and with whom?
9: The person that I would most like to spend time with would be my grandfather, who died when I was very young. I I think I was maybe eight or nine i would want to see him um as he was i would like to like have a conversation with him and of course knowing what i know now versus being eight or nine years old and just it i would just like to experience um his energy and, and him as a person because i never really got to know him because i was so young when he died and um and that's 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 the way i would answer the question thank you thank
0: you christy t any thoughts on what's been shared today so far
1: yeah i mean the whole losing our loved ones is just really hard i'm remembering the times that i spent playing croquet and playing croquet on my fa- on my grandfather's lawn and the time that he, you know, spent setting up the the hoops and teaching my sister and I to how to hit the balls and the the whole nine yards. So your reflections are bringing back my reflections, and I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, I wish there was a way to go back and thank everyone for their contributions.
0: There's so so many layers to this, and and I know that I've often talked about my grandfather with you. because of Star Trek because the first time uh, I had watched Star Trek Next Generation, as everybody knows, and then I didn't really watch the series after that. And I remember going to visit my grandfather. I used to go uh, visit him every six weeks and stay the weekend with him. And I remember seeing Seven of Nine on the TV and saying, hey, granddad, I didn't know you liked Star Trek. And he's like, what's not to like? Look at her, (laughs) right? So I often just wish I could, I talked a lot about philosophy with him and we just contemplated lots of different things when we'd sit around and, and enjoy rusty nails together. So sometimes when we're doing the show, I'm, I'm often thinking, wow, I'd really like to ask him these questions as well, thinking he, he might have liked Star Trek for more than just seven of nine. Let me put it that way. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10am PST, To be notified of future shows, please join the Club on Clubhouse and our mailing list at StarTrekSundays.com. Today, we're discussing mourning. Before we move on to hero worship, T, can you tell us what we have coming up for next week's podcast and watch party?
1: Definitely. Coming up on Sunday, February 26th, is Nostalgia, starting with Relics from The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 4 first aired on the 12th of October, 1992. The Enterprise discovers a ship that crashed on a Dyson sphere more than 75 years prior with a single survivor suspended in the transport buffer, Captain Montgomery Scott. Scotty finds himself in a world that has passed him by and he pines for the time when he didn't feel obsolete. Followed by Trials and Tribulations from Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 6, which first aired the 4th of November, 1996. When temporal investigators arrive on Deep Space Nine, Cisco recounts how he and the crew of the Defiant traveled back in time to the 23rd century to prevent the assassination of Captain James T. Kirk during the original Enterprise's mission to Space Station K-7.
0: Thanks, T. I am really looking forward to this, and it'll be a nice light episode. I mean, we'll have some reflections, obviously, when we deal with relics and feelings of maybe missing out on what's new and exciting or or longing for the old days. But these ones will be a bit lighter for sure. So I really appreciate the curation. And I'm looking forward to the watch party and hope everybody can come to that.
1: I think it'll be a laugh a minute as we sort of not only take a step back into the original, but then go even further back into the original series and and recast the entire crew i think it'll be a blast
0: yeah absolutely yeah i'm really looking forward to that so let's move on to hero worship can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what it was about and then i have a question for
1: you absolutely hero worship the next generation Season 5, episode 11, which first aired on the 27th of January, 1992. The only survivor of a wrecked ship, a child named Timothy, copes with the loss of his parents by imitating his rescuer, Data, taking on the persona of an android incapable of feeling human emotions, trying to avoid dealing with his pain and feelings of guilt. Meanwhile, the crew investigates the cause of the wreck about which the child appears not to have been truthful. I chose this episode because it illustrates the phenomenon of shutting down emotionally and losing one's sense of identity when dealing with a devastating loss or trauma. It also touches on a tendency in children to feel responsible for things over which they have no control including the death of loved ones
0: thank you t that was a great summary one of the notes i took from this one was about the child timothy having to rebuild his identity that was said specifically in the episode and this is something we all have to do after a loss and having to figure out who we are again without the reflection of ourselves from the view of the person who died can be daunting in this episode we see timothy emulate data in order to deal with getting over his loss. Can you think of a role model for helping you to get over something that has been helpful in the past?
1: Yeah, I think that Star Trek captains have been helpful, starting with Kirk, who dealt with the loss of Spock. And he did so in a, in a really constructive way, right? He assembled the crew and, and recognized the loss and then went on commanding because that's what you have to do. And Picard, who got everybody together, including Data, for Tasha Yar's ceremony in which she was a hologram and talked about what happened if you were watching this hologram, because something's gone wrong. I can think of Cisco and the one that we watched, the episode that we watched prior, The Siege on AR-558, I think it was, and how he dealt with the loss of crew members, the loss of people. And the things that he said about it and how he coped with it. Janeway, Michael Burnham, Pike. All of these people are so critical in how I think good role models deal with these, these things. They deal with them respectfully and emotionally. And then they keep on trucking. And I think that that's something that I want to role model as a role model for myself.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. How about you, Gela? Can you think of a role model who has been helpful to you in getting over a loss in the past?
7: I have a friend named Talcott who is my age. And in, I believe, 2016, he lost his wife to cancer, developed very, very rapidly. He... Among other things, dealt with her loss by um, starting a podcast called Death Prattle. A year or so later, um, a mutual friend of ours, Sabura, passed away uh, unexpectedly. To many of us, she didn't let many people know how sick she was. Talcott really helped me get through that. First of all, because he didn't make distinctions between, you know, his mourning for his wife, which is obviously you know a much closer, more intense kind of mourning and my mourning for our friend who you know she was a she was a good friend and i would call her a close friend nothing like like losing a spouse and we just we talked every day for quite a while just about how we were feeling just being able to talk about it the way that he was so open to somebody else's loss when he was going through something so massive It's really inspiring to me, and I I would hope to be able to do the same for somebody else.
0: Thank you. Yeah, shout out to him. Nice work. Thank you for that share. T, any thoughts so far before we move on?
1: Yeah, I just want to appreciate how beautiful that all of these shares are. That share, all of these shares. I mean, these are, they've definitely got me pretty choked up so i really appreciate the the work that we're doing here
0: yeah trekking ain't easy so marcus how about you can you think of a role model who has been helpful to you in getting over a loss in the past
5: yeah i think i have thought of one to me getting over a loss from the past is a journey back to yourself it's difficult for me to pry those two things apart. And somebody that did that for me was this absolutely amazing, lovely guy. His name was Roger. And he's like a Caribbean man who did kind of like shaman practices. And if I ever like like expressed a trouble to him, he always kind of looked at me in this way that he you know, saw through me and and knew something that I didn't know. Like he could see me in a way that I, I couldn't see me. And he would nudge me in little ways to think about what I was saying differently. And I didn't always understand at the time and I would be confused, but I was intrigued enough to keep going and to know that whatever it is, he he knows I wanted to know. He didn't have anything. He had a car and he didn't have a a home or anything. He just travelled up and down the country doing ceremonies for people and pretty much lived on the hospitality of other people. And he's the happiest guy I've ever met, still is. Uh, big smile all the time, calls everybody love. What he has is something so valuable. Out of all the people in, in my life, he has really been a role model to me and helped me get to that place that would ultimately allow me to let go of these people I've lost in the past. And I can't pry those two apart.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's,
5: that's awesome. He sounds
0: incredible.
1: I I just wanted to, to point out that something that Marcus said there, I always appreciate Marcus. Marcus is a deep thinker about these things. What he said there was getting over someone is a journey back to ourselves. And it caused me to think about that because at first I was like, okay, well, that's, An interesting phrasing, but when I really gave it thought, I realized that there was more to that. There was really uh, an expression of trying to figure out how to continue, how to be ourselves even though we're suddenly not ourselves, we're suddenly with this loss, and then how how to reintegrate ourselves into the world and and make that journey back to ourselves. So I thought that was just, that was really brilliant and beautiful. So thank you, Marcus.
0: Absolutely. Ditto. So how about you, Babs? Can you think of a role model who has been helpful to you in getting over a loss in the past?
3: Um, I can, actually. Um, it's not a real person, actually, um, but close enough. It's Spider-Man. I love Spider Man for the fact that he experiences loss at a young age, and then he's placed with this burden of having to save other people and having to put his own self in the backseat. And I've always found that admirable that, you know, being that this character was placed in such a situation where he did have to put his mourning to the side to save other people because at the end of the day, his city's welfare depended on it. And so, and his friends and family, they all, you know, depended on him, you know, unknowingly. So I think that would honestly, you know, I don't have anybody in my life that I can actually say was a true role model in helping me get through mourning. So I have to say, if I had to choose anybody, it would be Spider-Man.
0: I I think that's perfect because I think that, a lot of these characters are written in order to be role models for people who might not have role model humans in their life. So that's great. Thank you for bringing that up. Just like T uh, brought up the, the captains, right? Jamesy, what about you? Can you think of a role model who has been helpful to you in getting over a loss in the past?
2: Uh, A very big qualified kind of, I take to grieving kind of the same way Bruce Lee takes to martial arts uh, study everything and, and keep what works. Uh, lots of anthropology classes, lots of interest in ceremonial and burial practices, grieving the dead, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really compelled to, to tell a very short story. Um, my, my father died the day before Thanksgiving uh, quite, quite a few years ago. Um, so like don't, don't feel the need to jump in. Um, but I, uh, I was in a managerial position at a job where I knew I was going to be working alone the next day. So I made the decision to go to work because being alone was what I wanted. And part of my routine was to raise the flag. So I kind of went out with the flags and a cigarette and waited for the appropriate time and then raised the flag and, and then uh, lit up another cigarette. And it, there was this this sensation of being in the world without my father in it. Um, the, the breeze was cooler. The sun was warmer. There was higher contrast in the leaves and the trees. And in no way do I mean to say that the world was a more beautiful place. It was just new. I was experiencing the world in a very new way. Um, and that was, you know, w- without, without my father in it.
1: You know, I've definitely had that experience with regards to seeing the world with more contrast in it. Uh, was When I was in my motorcycle accident about a year and a half ago, I spent 28 days in the hospital and had seven surgeries and, you know, still don't have the use of my right arm. And after that 28 days of just staring at the white walls of the hospital with the TV of up in the upper right-hand corner, when I finally got home, and it was a very painful experience to get home, all of the green plants looked ridiculously green, and all of the red brick looked incredibly red, like just crimson. And I'm looking around now and I'm not seeing the same thing. The colors look a bit duller. But at the time, my whole experience, like I was just so grateful to be home, that my whole world was was transformed by the emotional impact of what had just happened. So I, I appreciate what you're saying, Jamsy
0: really beautiful shares everybody i really appreciate how vulnerable everybody is when when we talk about these things and it really makes me feel like i am trekking with all of you and on a journey of discovery about each other ourselves the world all of that so i really want to thank you i do want to touch on this role model Thing for a minute. I've had lots of role models in my life, and I've talked about my grandparents, and they've been role models in some ways, and people here on Clubhouse and other friends have been. And I think that sometimes it's nice just to do a shout out when it's happening. I'm prompted to do this because we talk about the things we didn't say to people. And um, I'm trying to make a practice of saying things to people before it's too late and all of that. One role model I have right now is not an elder of mine. It's you, Marcus, and you are helping me. Sometimes I think you know it, but sometimes maybe you don't know it, but I'm trying to learn how to have healthy attachments to things and to get rid of the unhealthy attachments and to detach from things that I don't need to be attached to. And part of that is a process through mourning. When you lose people, you hold on to their things and their things aren't them. But you feel like, or I feel, that you might forget them maybe, or I don't even know what it is because I, I talk to other people about it. I'm like, you're not going to forget your mom, get rid of the thing, right? But I find I, it's hard for me to do it. But your patience and the journey that you've been through and how you share has really impacted me. So I just wanted to share that now, just in case I don't get another chance to say that you are a role model for me, Marcus. So thank you very much.
5: Bless you. Thank you very much, Victoria. It means a lot to me.
0: So anybody want to talk about some Star Trek?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The pilot episode of deep space nine is like my go-to for this like processing grief thing. When the, the wormhole aliens are reminding Cisco that like, he's the one that keeps bringing him here. Like he exists here. They're not, they're not taking him here. Um, The way other people were talking about Spider-Man and Batman, I think that episode has probably had the most profound impact on me when it comes to uh, processing grief.
1: I think that um for me it's the end of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan where the whole crew is lined up and they put Spock in the torpedo the fo- the photon torpedo casing same um you know casing no warhead it's just Spock right and they launch him onto the Genesis planet and it's just the just the way that Kirk deals with the crew it's it just that really stuck in my head for how these things are dealt with.
0: There's something about ceremony that does me in. And I think it's because we need that, you know, whether it's in a film, Star Trek, right? There was even, it wasn't even a death, but when Worf was leaving in an episode we saw recently to go off and, and do the thing he needed to do with, with the Klingons. And everybody was giving him some, you know, reverence as he was leaving the enterprise. It always feels like a, well, heavy feels, a punch to the gut in some way. And I wonder exactly what that is, but the the whole ceremony of something showing people respect in some way. And I don't know, maybe it's because we don't do it very often. Why is it so so special, I I don't know. It's, it's more stuff to contemplate, I guess.
2: When you said the word ceremony, I immediately thought of, of that scene. And it, you know, studying anthropology, like so many of these things are rites of passage, and death is, you know, another rite of passage.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely sort of flashing back to the scene where Wharf. Uh, has a birthday he's really depressed about it and so the crew ends up assembling a holographic simulation of all these Klingons who you know hit him with pain sticks as he walks down the line and how that makes him happy and I I just you know that ceremony is something that you know without it he wouldn't be he wouldn't be who he is. He just wouldn't be happy, right? Well, this yeah. was the 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 challenging the challenging work that I was anticipating, wasn't it? <laughs> Indeed, this has been very cathartic and a great episode. I, I really enjoyed the the shares. People really got deep into this idea. As they always do, the crew is amazing. And I just wanted to say thank you so much, guys. This has yeah. been incredible. Everyone, thank you.
0: Yeah, and thank you, T, for curating two great episodes and Steve for having the watch party yesterday. It, it, it really is a joy to be trekking with you guys and it's making me a different and um, often better person. So I appreciate that. This has been Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. To be notified of future shows, please join the club on Clubhouse and our mailing list at StarTrekSundays.com. Today we were discussing mourning, and thank you, everybody, for all of your shares. Next week, Sunday, February 26th, we'll be discussing nostalgia, and I hope everybody can make it to that. Thank you again, everybody, and I hope you have a great week.
1: Thank you, everyone.